So I initially committed uh, to Yale, so I was going to go play there. And But in the back of my head, I just kept thinking, man, I, I don't ever want to regret not giving it a shot to play at the highest level. Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630, WLAP, the home of the cat. If it's a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, we're going to be talking about it Monday through Friday, right here on Locked On Kentucky. This edition of the show is brought to you by La Rosa's Pizza. We'll tell you a little bit more about them in just a bit. I am super excited about this episode. I've been teasing it for a little bit. It is a new series that we are starting called Beyond the Bio. Basically, we have conversations with people who uh, work in or around UK athletics. The first edition here is with Brad White, who has an unbelievably interesting story. Uh, he, he, I'll just give you a couple quick things. He was supposed to go to Yale. He ended up in banking after he finished his football career at Wake, and he had never even thought about coaching until a chance encounter with a former coach. Uh, so, I hope you're really going to enjoy it. I found him super interesting, super engaging. Uh, so let's just jump right into it. Uh, the first thing here is I asked Brad White about him going to Yale. So that's true. So I initially committed uh, to Yale, so I was going to go play there. And But in the back of my head, so I took my official visit uh, in January, committed. You know, February comes and goes, and... In the back of my head, I just kept thinking, man, I, I don't ever want to regret not giving it a shot to play at the highest level. And so I had applied to other schools, and I had, I had done well, obviously, in high school academically. So I had a full-ride academic scholarship to the University of Georgia. And it just kept gnawing at me and gnawing at me. And so I decided, you know what? And so one day I woke up and I told my folks, I said, hey, I'm going to take the the academic scholarship at Georgia and I'm going to go down and I'm going to walk on. And at the time they were preseason number five. I mean, the, the, basically everybody on their defense over the next three years got drafted. And so here I was, this kid from Rhode Island. I just called up down there at Georgia, hey, could I walk on? And they said, sure, you can walk on. You'll be all right. And so that's how I ended up down there. I was had you visited? You, you know what? I, I hadn't. Um, my first time on campus was when we did the orientation. But I just, I just, I said, you know what? Sometimes in life, you just got to trust yourself and you got to go with it. And it's really kind of helped me. That was kind of a moment for me because I, that's. You know, as you say, okay, how did you get into coaching? I sort of had to make that same moment when I left the business world to go into coaching. And you just said, hey, you know what? Sometimes you just got to bank on yourself. And a couple weeks in uh, down at Georgia, Coach Donnan calls me in his office. And I'm like, man, I'm already getting cut. It's two weeks into camp there. We must be clearing the roster. And he said, hey, you've you've done enough and you've showed me enough that in spring I'd like to put you on scholarship. And so here I am, I'm fired up. This is going to be, this is awesome. I've done enough. And then at the end of the season, he gets let go and they're bringing in Mark Rick and, you know, he's coming from Florida state. So in my head, I'm thinking, 
man, you know, they convert safeties to linebackers, linebackers D line. I said, there's no way I'm fast enough to play in their defense. And, but I was lucky enough, our secondary coach at the time, Brad Lambert, got the position coach at Wake Forest to coach the linebackers. And he called me up on the night of the national championship game when Florida State was playing um, Oklahoma and said, hey, they've got one scholarship left in this class. Would you want to transfer up to Wake? So I ended up accepting that, going up to Wake, sitting out a transfer year, and then starting the next three after that. But, what was the draw to, to – was it Georgia-specific? Was it like SEC or like how did you come to that decision? And well, it was probably the easiest place to start. But like why did you apply to Georgia from a kid from Rhode Island? So there was a couple of state schools. Growing up, one of our favorite things to do in our house, my, my dad was a huge uh, – nerd in regards to always getting the u.s news and world reports and all right these are the top schools in the country and so obviously the ivy leagues were always in that top echelon it was oh if you could ever go an ivy league and so that's when i mean i was going to go to yale and everybody's like oh mate and especially being up in the northeast okay play football go to yale but i had university of georgia there was a lot of state there's a couple of state schools that always stood out that said, hey, they have really good academics. And, you know, it's a $15 online application. So I just applied to see, you know, yeah. make sure you have a couple in the in the bank yeah. when you're going through the college process. And I had got that one back from Georgia, and it, it said, hey, we'd love to have you down and on a Regent scholarship and the whole deal. And so that Syracuse, University of Iowa, were sort of like three schools yeah. that I sort of had as – backup plans and said hey listen you know i can go there you know i can get a really good degree but you know i've always followed them a little bit yeah. from a distance and but the, yeah there was really no true rhyme or reason <laughs> i just knew they, i knew they had a really good business school and they had a really good football program and so we so, just sort of went that way. So it was basically like uh, you went down the top football, AP top 25 in football, and then the AP, the, the U.S. report yeah, top schools, it. and you're like, which ones, which ones connect? Which one? And <laughs> we, we just, I just, blind faith, and it was so funny, I'll never forget, after I did it, you know, everybody basically had their jaws were dropped. I mean, in my high school, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> you'll never play down there. And there was a picture of, uh, spring ball that year that I printed off the internet and it had uh, boss Bailey Kendra Bell and um, and Tony Gilbert on in the picture who all played in the NFL for and I put it on the wall and I said you can be as good as these guys <laughs> and so that's what I would lift to down in my basement and you know I could never be as talented as those guys but that was sort of my motivation and it ended up working out great got me to wake and allowed me to meet my wife and so i'm really blessed that i went that route so let's jump ahead there there to wake and i i I didn't have the timeline specific when did uh coach hood and you cross paths there was he already so he was so when coach lambert got that job uh the linebackers job at wake it was uh, Coach Grobe's first year. And so he had brought his entire staff from Ohio except one, Coach 
Sonny Knorr, who got the Ohio head job. So that he had one spot left on his staff, and he got Coach Lambert. Well, so that's as soon as I go to Wake, Coach Hood is on that staff coming from Ohio, and so he's the defensive coordinator. And so I, my entire time at Wake – you know, cross paths with Coach Hood. What was your I, – I like to ask, when he first got to UK, I asked all the guys, like, their first impression of him because he's got – like, he's such a personality. What was your first impression of Coach Hood when you got to, to Wake? Well, you know, it, it's a different deal. You know, obviously he was younger then, uh, but still a, a great man of faith. But he was uh, high energy and they're – the. You know, there's some things that yeah, I'm not going to say on a podcast because uh, that we he was he was a, a character as a as a defensive coordinator, and I remember coming back one time after in 2002, uh, we started the season out at Northern Illinois, and we lost in double overtime, and we came back, and it was a Thursday night game, so coach gave us Friday off and we came in on Saturday and we were having a Saturday practice and he was just ripping us as a defense because we we had played really well early and then in the second half we we really played soft Uh, and so he made sure that we knew (laughs) we were soft (laughs) and only in Coach Hood's way you know that I'll just you'll just never forget it and um, it was you got the message but at the same time, in the back of your mind, like you, you couldn't help but chuckle, you know, in terms of the delivery. So, uh, but you, you didn't dare, you didn't dare laugh in person. But just <laughs> in the back of your mind, you, you were, you had a little laugh, like, "Wow, that's <laughs> coach is really upset." Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I could kind of definitely picture him doing that, like having those those types of conversations. Coming up next, we're going to hear more from Brad Wright. But before that, I do want to tell you guys about La Rosa's Family Pizzeria, which is coming to Lexington really, really soon, right on Richmond Road. It's going to be right near the Skyline Chili, um, and it's going to be near a First Watch as well, which are both fantastic sponsors. Uh, if you don't know about La Rosa's, it is kind of a Cincinnati thing as well, just like the Skyline Chili. Uh, they've been making the pizzas for over 60 years, but they're not just a pizza place. they got the pastas, they got the salads, and all their menu is available for delivery, for carry out, and of course, you can dine in in their awesome uh, dining room. I'm going to send out a tweet on the Locked On Kentucky account at Locked On UK with more information about the location, uh, where they'll be delivering once they get into the area, and on the page, there's a link to how to apply for a job if you're interested in working for them. Um, so all that's going to be on that account. Uh, I love La Rosa's. I just I think their pizza is really great. I've talked about how. When I go visit my family up in northern Kentucky, we often go to go to a La Rosa's and have a nice little family meal. So uh, once they get to Lexington, I hope you guys check them out. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. When you made that transition, and obviously yours is a little bit different with the coaching changes and those kind of deals when you went from Georgia to Wake. I mean, now you're in this position, so you're dealing, talking with people that are transferring in, transferring out, and those kind of deals. Is there been... Is there? Do you think? Do you see a mindset change from players, coaches about like the transfer the way it is? Because it's talked about. I mean, people use the word like epidemic and those kind I, of things. I, you know, I do, and I, I saw just recently uh, across the desk. I think they might have passed that now walk-ons can 
one-time transfer and then not have to sit out if they're going from basically walk on to scholarship, which I wish would have been available for me. You know, I to say it was it was kind of an unfair rule. You know, you're sort of getting penalized from okay, I worked hard enough as a walk on. I was transferring not because I didn't like Georgia. You know, there was it was still a hard decision for me. I I would even when coach Rick decided to come, like I was committing myself, okay, you know what? If I've proved, you know, I've proved it to one guy head coach, I can prove it to another one. But it was too hard to pass up an offer to go from, you know, being a walk on to a scholarship mm-hmm. guy. And now it's it wasn't about I was trying to run away from competition or it was just I know that I'm getting everything taken care of you know I'm I'm paying my own way through college and that was also a big deal for me you know and my my folks never wanted it to be that and if I wanted to go to Yale that was going to be no issues but it was a big thing for me that I'd worked so hard that Hey, listen, I put myself in position to pay my way through college, that my folks don't have to do that. And whether it was academic or athletic, now it's not that at all. Now it's about ego and, you know, hey, I was this many stars come out of high school. And, you know, what you try to, you know, inform young kids is that none of that matters. I mean, you, you look at Josh Allen and, you know, what he's about to experience here on Thursday and in the first round of the the draft. Stars mean nothing. Where you're recruited coming out of high school doesn't have any bearing on how you play in college. You can be a first-team All-American in college, and it doesn't mean you're going to be successful at the NFL level. So you can't base your success off the level that you're at. Now, does some of that help? you know, in terms of being a, uh, a predictive measure of how you're going to do. Yeah. You, you, you have some basis, uh, you know, in you know, some height, weight, speed standards mm-hmm. that you make, but you can't judge how well, um, a kid's going to play under pressure. You can't see how much internal fortitude that he's got. And I think right now with the transfer portal, it's too easy for young men to say, well, you know what? That was a bad decision. I'm moving on to the next. When back when we were going, you didn't. I mean, freshmen still got angry. Freshmen still didn't want to redshirt. Mm-hmm. Fresh, I mean, it's, but you stuck it out. And by the time you finished as a senior, you're like, man, that redshirt year was the best thing I ever had. And so they say, well, coach, you transferred. Well, it was a little bit different. I redshirted and I transferred because. I was going to a scholarship that was guaranteed. I would, if I had stayed at Georgia, that was not guaranteed that I would even stay on the roster when the next coaching staff came through. So it wasn't that I did it because I was afraid of competition. It was, you know, I was solidifying my spot and I was going with a, a coach that wasn't even my position coach, but he saw enough of me in practice mm-hmm. that he wanted to coach me at his position that, you know that that made a big difference. Going to your to your wake days, do you, do you have like a favorite accomplishment that you guys did as a team individually or anything that you kind of 
you know, look back on with, with a, I'm sure there's a ton of prideful moments, but maybe one in particular that kind of stands out from your playing time there. From, from a team aspect, I think a lot of it, you know, the, the one that jumps out is winning at the Seattle Bowl uh, in 2002 uh, against Oregon. That was a big one for us. I think it was a big stepping stone for us as a program at Wake. Um, it was Coach Grove's first bowl game. It kind of laid the foundation for a program to elevate itself in the ACC. And we didn't, we didn't, the next two years, we didn't make bowl games. We were close. We were five and six and five and seven um, in back to back years. But it got the, it kind of laid the foundation for the 2006 team to mm-hmm. win the, uh, the win the ACC and then to go to the Orange Bowl and then lead a class that went to three straight bowl games. And we all, you know, Coach Grove even talked about those first couple of classes sort of laid the foundation of, okay, listen, Wake doesn't have to be a doormat. Um, from me, from a personal accomplishment, probably, and I think it still stands, is that I'm still the only football player in Wake history to do the five-year program while also being a football player. So I I got a master's in accounting and a bachelor's in finance. So in there so Wake had a 5-year program where you could get that master's in accounting and uh it was, it was only 40 students a year would be accepted into the program and I was blessed to get one of them and I ended up at the end uh receiving a award for you know the spirit of Wayne Calloway which is who was the um the big donor to the Calloway School of Business and it's kind of sort of the award mm-hmm. you know it's not based on GPA but it's about you know sort of the overall uh person and to receive that award was was a big deal for me we're going to be wrapping up that conversation with Brad White in just a minute you are Locked On Kentucky, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. That leads me to the the thing that like struck my eye when I was researching like analytical finance is your degree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I like tried to figure out what that exactly meant, and it took me like I couldn't exactly like. Could you kind of define what so, that means? Because it, it's really just <laughs> finance. I think they, you know, it's a nice thing at Wake. They try to spruce it up so it sounds really good. Cause it's analytical finance as opposed to just regular finance. Um, so I, to be honest, I don't know if there's a difference between somebody's regular finance degree and an analytical finance degree, but it does sound nice, doesn't it? <laughs> um, and but really in that five-year program uh a large chunk of my classes were accounting based Mm -hmm. to get that master's in accounting in five years so i was really more of a master's or really more of an accounting student than ever a finance student but it's funny when i graduated instead of going into accounting i went into finance but uh, (laughs) um But I tell you, it's, it was the accounting background that made all the difference. Yeah. So the two years that I did finance with Bank of America in Dallas, you know, I leaned heavier on my accounting classes than I did my finance classes. I, I want to jump back to that in a minute, but I do want to ask, do you use like that accounting pr- approach like in, in this job and at, uh, how can that apply? I, 
you know, there's there's a lot of different aspects that I do use that degree, and it's it sounds funny, but football is there. There are a lot of stats now. Stats can be misconstrued. Stats can be used in a lot of different ways to make you feel good about yourself or to make you feel bad about yourself. At the end of the day, it's about points and scoring more than the opponent. Um, but there are a lot of good tendencies and things that you can draw from from an analytical standpoint, not maybe to the data point where in baseball you have so many data points it can become very, very predictive. Mm-hmm. There's not quite as many in football, and there are a lot more variables in football because it's 11 guys competing as opposed to one pitcher and one batter or you know but there are definite tendencies that you can find and having that background and part of that background too for me was a deep knowledge of excel and different um you know microsoft applications and a lot of those things greatly help, you know, whether anything from building the being proficient in building PowerPoints for your presentations with your players to building different um, diagrams or spreadsheets that it allows your players to be, you know, more efficient. You can create little buckets for them and it's clean there. It's cleaner. They they understand it, and you can do it quicker. And a lot of that stems from that background for me, because I had a, I had already had a background in it. But going into the Bank of America, you had to actually take an Excel class to learn all the shortcuts and all, do a bunch of different things uh, that made you more efficient and proficient in that application. So it does. It, it's it's shown up quite a bit. What was the transition out of football? into that Bank of America job like for you? Because, I mean, you guys got a guy kind of on staff, Freddie Maggard now. You know, that that's, it seems like that's a large, large portion of the job. Was it was it tough for you to do that? You know what? It wasn't tough. The, the toughest part was leaving the paycheck with the bank <laughs> and going to be a GA mm-hmm. for two years. And, you know, my wife, you know, she's – an absolute saint and she was supportive the whole way but to to step away with something that had some job security to go to a profession that it's sort of built around the premise that there is no job security and the better off you do and the higher the stakes the less secure your job is and even when as you progress through the um, through the ranks, and even say, oh, it must have been an easy jump to go from Air Force to the NFL. Well, they talk about the NFL being the not for long league. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's players and coaches. And so to leave something stable at Air Force to go to the NFL, and I had just had the birth of my first daughter, there there was some nervousness there mm-hmm. because okay, if you get let go. Now you got to go find another job and you got to move your family again. And so leaving the bank, you know, it was, it was a tough decision, but again, it goes back to 
you know, I think my wife being super supportive and saying, Hey, let's, let's bank on ourselves. We can do this. And, you know, we've been really, really blessed, uh, to work for some great head coaches, you know, along the way with going back to Wake with Coach Grobe, then Troy Calhoun at an Air Force, and you know, to have Chuck Pagano, the NFL, and now here with with Coach Stoops. I mean, it's we've just fallen into every right situation, and we just I just continue to pray that it stays that way. Now, when you were, I'm guessing. What, what was your setup at Bank of America? I mean, was it like a cubicle or like? Because I'm trying to think. Are you, are you just like at your desk, like you know, doing your the, the, I, well, the yeah, stuff? Yeah, and then, are you like in the back of your mind, is there just like a football bug that's biting, or how? What was that setup? How? So it was. So I was up on the 64th floor, and so we were in what we call global portfolio management. We handled the risk assessment for uh, the bank, so to large corporate insurance companies. And so we we have multi-billion dollar revolvers out to uh, MetLife and Lincoln Financial and, and different. So you had to just judge how much capital the bank was holding and if it was worth the risk. And and so I was there for two years and really, really enjoyed it. Well, the coaching convention was in Dallas. And Coach Lambert, here he shows up on the scene again, is up for a head job and he swings by the house because he wants to see Kate and I, and you know we're showing him the apartment and overlooks downtown Dallas and says, "Hey, you know I'm up for this job. If I get it, will you come and will you come into coaching? <laughs> you know." And it it kind of just hits you at that moment. Oh wow, okay, I haven't really yeah <laughs> thought about it, but then it gets that bug in your your ear. And at the time it's before all these games are on TV and the ACC networks and the SEC networks. And so the first thing I did when I got to Dallas was I bought a XM Sirius radio that I plugged into our stereo system in our apartment so I could listen to the weight games in the apartment, just listening like old school style where you just turn on the radio and you listen to games and so my wife would hear me, you know, yelling at, no, don't go for it. Oh, what do we do? You know, that, that, and she says, I can tell that you just, there's something about coaching and there's something about football that you're just so deeply connected. It wasn't just as a player. And so she was super supportive when the opportunity came. So Coach Lambert doesn't take the job, but he says, hey, we have a GA spot open at, wake would you be interested and so i'm really struggling and it really came down to my wife saying hey you can do this if this is what you want to do i'm all in and to to have your wife say that like okay you know what let's give it a shot and the bank was really supportive they said hey if it doesn't work you can always come back but this was when the market was booming (laughs) Six yeah. months six months after I left, that was when the CDS market crashed and they had all the, the mortgage issues. And so that job wasn't available if I wanted to. So six months after I went into to GA and it was like, OK, you're locked. Yeah, <laughs> you better you better do well. So uh, but again, things have worked out. So I've been was this, so what was the, the timeline? So you had not like thought about coaching a ton you were you were in the banking profession i'm in the bank for two years yeah and so 
Coach Lambert came back, and then you were the GA. Like, how how quick was that turnaround? So it was. So if the coaching convention uh, always happens in January, I was flipped and into coaching uh, by the summer, so June. Okay. So six months later. That's a that's a pretty quick like it is transition, but obviously you had all the the history in it. Like what? what this is kind of odd, but I'm I'm guessing there's probably some parallels, and you touched on them a little bit, like Excel and those kind of deals, but like risk management and those kind of deals that's i'm there's a ton of that when you're like putting a defense out there right it is there's definitely some comparisons there that okay there's a risk award to everything you do Um, now it's 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 different in terms of when you're when you're in corporate america and you, you just never realize it until you're in in the midst of it that how many zeros show up on some of these you know stat sheets or you know pages and you're like man it's like it's it's truly like monopoly money you know when you're talking six billion that's a lot of zeros on this thing <laughs> um and then you come back to the the realm of the the living and <laughs> you realize okay this is this is more like it but you realize, okay, you know, you're in in the midst of a 12 game season. Every game counts. Every judgment you make has a big determining factor of whether you're going to make a bowl game or not. And all right, you have to stay focused in the moment. You have to stay focused in that game. You can't think about, okay, what? How's this going to affect us down the line? Um, but you, you can crank numbers and say, okay, if, if we win this one and those two guys lose, I mean, and there's, yeah. when, when you talk about playoff scenarios or bowl game scenarios, all those things start to, to play a factor. And, um, again, having that, that background and that's just kind of how I think, I mm-hmm. think in terms of numbers and percentages and, um, so it was just, it was kind of a smooth transition. Yeah. I guess then I, mean, I appreciate all the time. I'll I got a ton more questions, but I know your time is. I'm about to run out because I've I've asked you this in press conferences, but the the big picture stuff and you touched on it. I feel like a little bit. That's was one thing that's always brought up with you is like you're kind of like a big picture guy and those kind of deals. And then you just mentioned you have to stay in the moment. How is that balance? How do you find a balance where you're looking at things holistically but still able to? make individual decisions be it in a game be it you know talking to a recruiter anything along those lines it is it's at a time at times it can be challenging for me uh but that's why we've got a great staff here and you you surround yourself with people that can make sure you stay in the moment and you're not trying to jump too far ahead you know, where, hey, what if we do this? What if we, hey, you know what? And, and someone will, you know, and that's why you you wear the headsets on the sideline because you you can have voices that, that jump in. Hey, listen, you know what? Let's not do too much. Just, and it's one thing with a, a grease board. You know, as soon as you put a, a pen in your hand, you can draw up a ton of defense. And 
you can do a lot of cool things that work. And in my mind, well, this will beat this and this will beat this and this will set up this. And you can make all those connections. But none of that matters if the players can't execute it. And it's it's good for me to have that grounding force because it keeps my mind from going too far and too much uh, into the future in that, hey, listen, it's not about how you think. It's about how they think. It's about how they process. And that's the that's been a fun part for me, too, is that that's a game within a game in my own head mm-hmm. about, okay, how far can I push the limit without pushing it too far? And when I was a player, I always tell Coach Lambert and Coach Hood, you know, just keep pushing it. Keep pushing the limit. Give me as much as you you can because that was fun for me. I mean, my brain would just, just keep going and going and going. And that's that allowed me to play at a D1 level because athletically I wasn't gifted like my teammates. I wasn't gifted like the guys they were recruiting. But mentally I could stay a step ahead. And that's what made me play faster than – necessarily my 40 time would suggest um but i also have to understand that everybody's strength isn't that you know their strength may be the athleticism portion so let's make sure we keep it simple so they can use their athleticism Mm -hmm. to make plays so that's that's that balancing act that you're talking and i i definitely have some really good coaches around that that can rein me in coach hood being one of them you know coach hood's a great uh resource in terms of hey is this too much yeah it's probably too much <laughs> you know because <laughs> and so i try to try to keep it as simple for the guys as they can thanks so much to brad white thanks so much to you guys for listening. Thanks to La Rosa's for sponsoring this edition of the show. Speaking of sponsorships, if you're interested in advertising with us, shoot us an email, lockedonkentucky at gmail.com. It's cliche, but if you're listening to this, there's a good chance that your customers are listening to this. And if you know somebody who owns a small business or a big business, either way works, let them know that we're uh, open for advertisers. We can get you more information. Just shoot us an email. Also, I've said I'm all the way online. You can shoot me a, a DM on Twitter or, or just find my information. Get in contact with me. I can get any information uh, you need. Uh, let me know what you think about this this kind of episode and this this series uh, beyond the bio. Uh, who would you like to hear from? Uh, would you like? Would you not like? Is there any way you would like me to maybe tweak the format just a little bit? Let me know. I, I really want feedback on this because I'm, I'm kind of excited about this. And, you know, I started with an awesome interview in Brad White. Like, dude was dealing with all that money in Bank of America and wasn't even going to be a coach. And now, like, it's just crazy. It was just an awesome story to start out with. So I'm, I'm happy we started on a high note. And hopefully we can continue uh, getting this going on these summers uh, to just maybe a little bit different where there's not as much daily news. We can get you some awesome info. So please hit me up. Thanks again, guys. Uh, we will be talking to you soon.
You are Locked On Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.